Hello and welcome to the Wild Enrichment Podcast. My name is Kyle Banton-Jones and I'll be your host. The Wild Enrichment Podcast is a show about animal welfare, training, enrichment, and everything in between. Each episode, we will be exploring concepts surrounding behavioral husbandry and the ever-advancing field of animal welfare, from interviews with real animal care professionals to educational episodes about new concepts in animal care. This is the Wild Enrichment Podcast. Enjoy. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Wild Enrichment Podcast. Uh, today, I'm joined by Alice Vasillo, and uh, she is joining us uh, from two of her exciting projects that we're both going to get into today. Uh, but uh, thank you for coming on the podcast, Alice. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's such a delight. Yeah, I'm really, really thrilled to be talking about some some fun things today. Yeah. So, so we connected uh, uh, somewhat recently on on, on social media, uh, particularly about your podcast, uh, "Asshole Animals" with Alice, which is an <laughs> outstanding uh, name and topic for a podcast. Uh, and you also are involved with the uh, Keeper Educational Exchange Program. So we're sort of going to be yeah. touching on both of those things uh, throughout this conversation. But did you want to sort of give people an idea of your background and, and where you're coming from and sort of how you got involved in the wonderful world of animal care? Sure, yeah. And so for those of you that don't know me, uh, I'm Alice. Um, I'm from the UK, as uh, you can probably tell by my accent. Uh, so I work actually at two zoos in the UK, uh, at a small zoo called Shepherd Wildlife Park in Cambridge. The brain of the world, and uh, and then at another zoo called ZSL Whipsnade Zoo, which is the sister zoo to London Zoo. Uh, I've been keeping for nearly ten years now. Um, in that time, I've been gosh all over the place. Uh, I've managed a, a farm in North London. Uh, worked at London Zoo. I moved out to Costa Rica to rehab sloths for a while. So I've been you know all sort of about in in zoos in. Uh, animal rehabilitation, all of this sort of stuff in the industry over the last 10 years. And it's been a wild ride. So uh, yeah, it's a, it's been an absolutely fun experience and looking forward to what the next 10 years bring, I think. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's uh, the more, you, especially the more you move around and the more you uh, get involved in the industry, it's such a small world and you come across uh, people that you, oh, yeah. that you used to work with, you know, 10 years ago and you come across animals that you used to work with uh, 10 years ago at, at new facilities. So it's, uh, it's pretty you know, crazy. You're, you're, t you're totally right. I, um, I visited a uh, Woodland Park Zoo in Seattle mm. a couple of years ago now. And, uh, I was saying hi to some of the keepers there. And uh, they they introduced me to their giraffe called Dave, and I was like, Dave. I was like, I used to know a Dave when I was an intern at Brookfield Zoo in Chicago <laughs> ten years ago. Is that the same? And they were like, Yeah. And it was just like such a weird, like moment of yeah. like ten years later being like, I know that giraffe. Like I met him <laughs> when I he's a teeny tiny one. It's just exactly the same with people, isn't it? Like you just. Yeah. Everybody, it's such a small world. Everybody knows everybody. And that's kind of what I love about zookeeping as well. Particularly when you go abroad and you you meet other keepers. And, you know, nine times out of ten, I find that you guys have a friend or a friend of a friend in common. Oh, it's, for sure. Uh, it's yeah. a lovely a lovely world to be a part of, isn't it, really? Yeah, no. And I, and there's it probably helps because there's probably not a whole lot of uh, giraffes named Dave. So I think, uh, <laughs> I think... I thought that was weird. I was like, Dave? Like, that can't <laughs> be. And it was. It was like, oh, my God, I know Dave. Yeah, that's great. I, I, I'm a huge fan of... Um, 
of animals with it with very like basic human yes. names. I'm a huge <laughs> fan, like Bobs and Toms and and and, and Dave. Sure. So those are. I uh, I work with I work with a couple of uh, Asian small clawed otters, and their names are Carol and Ernie, <laughs> and it's it's the stupidest thing to be yelling their names like Carol, Carol, like yeah. <laughs> you know to try and call them over. It sounds so ridiculous. It's just like great. these elderly people names, yeah, these yeah. tiny little squeaky. Yeah. Otters, but yeah i totally know what you mean <laughs> yeah well i mean i find zoos either do a t like a just a horrendous job at naming they, they name them like super cliche i worked with otters named splish and splash you know and they're like wow, they're, wow. <laughs> it's like so they either do that or they they get some really creative <laughs> uh usually if they let the keepers name them they they end up with some creative names that the keepers uh want to be saying on a daily basis as opposed to uh really boring names yeah, and you know it, it's even funnier when you're yelling the name. Like if uh, you're trying to call them over, trying to shift them, or you're just sort of angrily yelling their name. <laughs> Especially otters. <laughs> and it's the too. most ridiculous thing. Yeah, lots of yelling there. So. <laughs> yeah, with otters, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I'm just yelling splash. splash! <laughs> like, exactly. Yeah. I can imagine that was fun. <laughs> yes, it was. So uh, one of the first things uh, that I'd like to talk to you about is the uh, is keep. So the uh, yeah. Keeper Educational Exchange Program. Um, for people that don't know, uh, do you want to give people a sort of an idea of what that is and uh, why why you went around starting it? Sure. So, uh, yeah, Keep, as you rightly said, is the, the Keeper Educational Exchange Program. Uh, basically, it's a platform that encourages collections, zoos and aquariums to uh, host what we call placements, which are when other keepers come to their collection spend a few days with their keepers and learn how they do things basically and it's um it's something that obviously we're starting in the the uk and ireland and uh hoping to sort of uh branch out uh into further afield as we sort of get more uh, placements underway and sort of iron out any kinks but um i mean our main thing is all about communication and how important that is in the zoo industry and the exchanging of ideas and networking and you know, going back to your own collection, being in inspired by what you've seen somewhere else. So that's pretty much in its essence what it's about. It's about uh, getting people out there to uh, to see things from a different perspective and to to see how other things are done in other collections. Yeah, yeah. And and it's a relatively uh, like new new venture that you've it, gone on, right? It is, yeah. So um, I've actually, I had this idea, um, well, it, I say I had this idea, it's an idea that's been done unofficially, at least in the UK, for, for years and years now. Um, but I had the sort of, um, the desire to, to make it more of an official platform, actually about two and a half years ago, but then COVID happened and, you know, no one was wanting to go anywhere because, you know, you couldn't go anywhere without... Um, you know, a face mask and being two meters apart from everybody. So um, COVID sort of put a pin in it for a while, but behind the scenes of sort of um, working, gathering um, people to join the team and, uh, you know, building a website and everything like that. And it just launched uh, in January this year, January 1st, new year, new CPD, continuing professional development. So, you know, we were super excited to to launch that as, uh, as part of like our 2023 plans and and see how it goes from there. Yeah, no, and that's that's uh, a very hard time to launch a, a company <laughs> that's sort of based on uh, moving people around when you can't really oh, yeah. move people around. So that was bad time, but I'm sure I'm glad that you have uh, you know sort of reinvigorated the program and uh, and stuck with it through that time because that's that's a uh, yeah pretty rough. I, I, so oh yeah. So what what is the sort of 
what prompted you to do this? Why do you think keeper exchanges are so important? What was what problem are you sort of solving with this? Sure, great question. So, um, I mean, I I remember I did a um, a keeper exchange myself uh, in 2013, actually. So yeah, 10 years ago now. Um, I got the chance to spend the day working uh, at San Diego Zoo uh, with the birds department there. And, you know, as a keeper, just beginning my sort of keeping journey and having this opportunity to spend a day with San Diego Zoo, you know, mm. that's like an iconic zoo that I think a lot of keepers, you know, look up to and uh, is very famous for for its husbandry and for its conservation efforts. And getting to spend a day there and seeing how they do things with their birds team. And I got to, you know, help move a bunch of birds into new exhibits and things like that. They gave me a really lovely little tour and it was just a day. And I, I remember waking up at like 5 a.m. because they start at something like 7 a.m. there. Mm. And I remember waking up at 5 being like so excited to just go out and see how they do things. And I learned so much that day. And it really it really stuck with me about the idea of um, of going somewhere and seeing, an, as I said, a new perspective, uh, taking ideas and knowledge away and just meeting people. And I think that that has always stuck with me throughout my career of like what we should be doing more of is is speaking to each other, because I, I don't think the industry as a whole is is good at that. I think we're good at, you know, welfare and, and improving our welfare with new research. I think we're good at talking to the public about conservation issues, about education, everything like that. But I actually don't think zoo to zoo that we're that great at, at supporting and communicating each other uh, with each other at times. So that's uh, that's the sort of problem Keep is, is aiming to solve is just everybody shut up and hold hands, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah so. no, that's that's great. And and I definitely think that part of that is is this sort of cultural shift that I've noticed with a lot of facilities is going from that place of of not necessarily being secretive about everything. I think uh, especially, you know, 10, 15 years ago, it definitely seemed like zoos were a lot more on lockdown as far yeah. as the, and I'm sure a lot of this has come with the prevalence of social media and that's how zoos are mm. essentially driving business to, uh, people to their front sure. gates is through social media. And, and it, it doesn't seem, at least a lot of the zoos that I see, it's not cool to be, uh, insular and to not share the behind the scenes. It's, it's, it's now, uh, see like public reception of those sort of behind the scenes, even if it's not something that you're super proud of showing that and sure. being open to it and, uh, uh, you know, telling people what happened and, and why this animal was, was euthanized or, or, uh, yeah. how it got out of its enclosure or all of these problems that used to be, you know, sort of radio silence, um, mm. as, even in my career, I, I like the stuff that I get told that I'm okay to share with the public now versus, uh, when I first started is, is, is completely different. So it's good, uh, even between zoos to, to be able to communicate yeah. like that. Yeah, you're totally right. And I think, um, I think that's something that at least in the UK, so, don't get me wrong. It's not everybody. I think some people are very good at, you know, owning, admitting and owning mistakes because, every single zoo is making mistakes with animal with animal husbandry with welfare with whatever it is like we make mistakes on a daily basis as keepers it's okay you know it's it's you know as we're learning from them and we're learning what these animals needs and are and and how to improve those as, as re more research comes out it's okay to to make changes based on, on what our findings are but the sort of admittance and being like hey we we messed up on this and that's you know we're learning and we're, we're moving forward is I think something that's important as well. So uh, I think having 
keepers come in from a different collection and having the chance to spend a day with you know some other keepers and be like this is how we do things maybe we can improve it maybe we can't let's you know just like here it is here's what we do you know what do you guys do and and figure it out between you i think it's a great way to collectively improve and i think big and small zoos both have something amazing to teach and uh, a lot to learn so i think uh yeah I'm, we're hoping that uh, that keep sort of is a platform for you know to foster transparency and to foster communication and networking between between collections yeah and and i think especially uh you know we were talking before before we started recording uh the mm. topics like animal welfare and understanding the cognition and 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 all those sort of topics uh stereotypies and and everything like that like mm. there isn't really uh you know like a lot of these animals don't come with a sort of manual like you know if if sure. uh, if it's doing this uh, click the reset button and it'll exactly. be exactly go and <laughs> if only ex if only i know so yeah being able to there's so many zoos that that have you know maybe solved the problem that you are struggling mm -hmm. with um and and or you have solved problems that they are struggling with so i definitely see that yeah. as a huge um point uh as far as keep goes and and seeing those things because at least in my experience whenever i've been to a zoo um it a reinvigorates oh oh like mm -hmm. you know I, I always feel reinvigorated when i come back because you come back with ideas it's easy to get stuck in the mm. sort of uh day-to-day -day, um yes. part of the job you know like the the routine and and all these things yeah. and, and all these problems that everyone has no matter what the job is you know being short-staffed uh, burnout, mm. all those kind of things. It's, it's very, very easy to get stuck in the day to day. And I always found going to other zoos and talking to other people, uh, even doing this podcast, it's, it's, you know, such yeah. a great way to, uh, exchange knowledge. And I always feel reinvigorated. Um, you're, oh, that's so great. And you're, you're totally right. Like I, you know, I think, uh, I think that's the blessing of working in this career, right? We're, we're all so passionate about it and we're all, looking to sort of better ourselves and you're right getting stuck in the same routine it's so good to be able to shake yourself out of it and you know have a new lease on your career and, and on life in that career and you know you, i think you're you can completely hit the nail on the head with that one it's it's so good to visit other collections and see what everybody else is doing yeah and and i i, I definitely think uh like conversely you will sometimes go to zoos especially uh, you know, a zoo as prestigious as San Diego or something like that. And, and you'll see some mm. of the stuff they're doing and you're like, Hey, what I'm doing is actually not really that bad in comparison to, yeah. to this. So it's, it's the other yeah. way around too, or, Hey, we've actually figured out a pretty good way of solving the problem that you guys are, are having. And, and, and that sort of exchange of knowledge is also very invigorating because people are, uh, you know, they, they sort of, are focused on their sphere of influence within their zoo. And then mm. sometimes they can feel that frustration as like, Oh, this place. And Oh, well, we, the way we do things here. And then you go to another place and you're like, Hey, we've actually, we're actually doing it pretty good compared to this place. So I yeah. think that way yeah, is totally. also has the same sort of effect. Yeah, you're completely right. And, you know, as I said, I think everybody has some stuff to teach and everything, everybody has some stuff to learn. And the, the more we talk about it, the more we keep in contact and the more we lift each other up, you know, the, you know, the more the industry is going to succeed as a whole, you know, we're only as strong as our weakest link. Uh, and uh, I, th I think it's great to just to be able to, yeah, have a different perspective on other collections, but also a different, maybe a different perspective on yours. Exactly. Like you said. Mm -hmm. So, uh, 
Do you have a sort of like success story uh, in mind where you you really saw like the impact of a sort of a keeper exchange program and what it can have as far as impact goes on a facility or a keeper or someone's career or something like that? Do you have a success story in mind that exemplifies what you guys stand for at at, at keep? Yeah, so, sure. So um, we obviously we only started up officially in January, but prior to that, we were running uh, what we called like guinea pig placements, like test placements. Mm. Um, we were testing the website functionality. We were testing how keepers were uh, doing on these placements and sort of getting their feedback on on what they learned and, and how they found the whole process of, of going through it with Keep. And um, we had our first uh, official placement uh, earlier this year in February. And um, the the lady who went on a placement to actually to my zoo to Shepherd Wildlife Park. I I wasn't there to to see her that day. I was off working at my other zoo, uh, and uh, she came in, and she'd only ever been working at her facility for I think her entire career, and um, they'd uh, they'd recently you know been in, been given some money to expand and to to get in some um, some new species. And so coming to to my zoo, to Shepherd Wildlife Park, which admittedly is a small collection, but it has a, a great range of small mammals. And uh, she really uh, and she expressed this to everybody on the day and to us at Keep of um, how valuable that experience was to, you know, give her some ideas about what species that they could uh, they could bring in with the space that they're given. But also just to to get a bit of um yeah a fresh sort of pair of eyes on on uh on zoo practices and and everything like that. She came away with such a um a glowing recommendation for keeper keeper exchange programs and uh, sorry the uh, keeper placements. And you know it it was very very evident that it meant a lot to her as you know only being in one uh, in one job for her entire career. And that's the sort of people that we do want to reach as well as the the more experienced keepers that maybe are settled where they are. And, that, and that's wonderful. That's fine. You know, settle where you want to settle, but who do want to learn new things, you know. And I think that's the sort of um, the, the demographic that we wanted to target most, you know, the people that have only ever worked in, in one place. So it was really nice to hear her like honest story about like, thank you so much for organizing this. I thought this was amazing. I came away with this. You know, we gave her a little like goodie bag uh, to take back with some enrichment items and stuff oh, in yeah. for, for her animals. You know, they get a little certificate that says, you know, so-and-so did a, you know, however many day placement at this zoo. And so they actually kind of feel like they, well, you know, they have accomplished something. They, you know, they came out and uh, and did a little placement. And uh, and so they go away feeling like, oh, that was uh, that was amazing. So that I think that was the success story of them, of Keep so far as the, the one that's happened um earlier this year but we've had so much great feedback from all of the guinea pig placements that we've done and really looking forward to hearing how um how people react to the exciting placements that we've got coming up later on down the line yeah no it sounds it sounds great uh, so one one of the things that i've sort of uh like noticed with a lot of uh keepers that go to conferences or exchange programs uh, they, they, you know, their brain is sort of exploding with all of these things they want to bring back yeah. to their facilities, um, whether it's conferences or direct experience with a keeper exchange program. How do you recommend people like actually bring that information back to their facility? Because especially if you're maybe not in a leadership position or not a senior keeper mm. or not like your sort of like section lead or something like that, it can be challenging to, to sort of actually implement change and to 
so, so do you have any advice for people for, for effectively doing that? I think you're totally right. And I think not every zoo manager or zoo team leader, anything like that is oftentimes, um, receptive to hearing how other collections do things. You know, there are some, you know, not everybody, of course, but there, I know there are some people in management positions and we've all encountered them that are like, this is the way we've always done it. It works fine for us. Let's not rock the boat. Let's not, you know, change, you know, why, why bother changing things if it works? Um, I think as far as advice goes is just to be as positive and enthusiastic about it as you sort of can. And, and not so much in a way of like, well, this collection does this and it's mm. way better than ours. It's just to be like, I saw this amazing piece of enrichment. I think it would be really great here. You know, I think it's all about kind of phrasing and, 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 and things like that to sort of get people on board. And if it's, uh, if it's not phrased in a negative way about like, oh, our collection is terrible, this collection's way better. It's just being excited, genuinely like passionate and, and inspired. I think that, I think that's, uh, allows it to be more received, received well by, uh, by team leaders and things like that. So going in excited and positive rather than negative towards your own collection, I'd say. Yeah, definitely. I, I definitely would, would agree with, with that. I, I think, yeah, a lot of people, if you come in and you're sort of just ripping on your current way of doing yeah. things, it comes across uh, very poorly, but yeah, I think uh, like assuming positive intent and, and there's usually yeah. a reason like if, if your zoo is in a position where change is something that needs to happen in order to be keeping up with, you know, accreditation standards and, and things like that, mm -hmm. um, usually the processes that like, and, and your team leaders and, and their managers and supervisors and, and, and whatever are doing things the way that someone else showed them to do. And, and, and just because they haven't innovated and, and, uh, like been constantly seeing sort of, uh, how other places are doing things doesn't mean that these, these, they come from a bad place. And, of course. um, and yeah, it's, it's, uh, it can be, it can be tough, but you can, uh, you know, lead, um, from the bottom of the sort of chain of command and you can lead within Definitely. your area and, and, you know, putting effort, uh, slowly and, and, and surely and repeatedly into change. You, you can, you can do that and, and, uh, taking ownership of things and, and, uh, you know, starting small is, is a good way of, uh, bringing some of Absolutely. these things in. Yeah. I, I, I love that. Yeah. You're, you're completely right. It's, um, it's difficult sometimes when, and you know, it's difficult for team leaders. They've got so much going on and, mm -hmm. you know, they have, um, they have one of their team, like we need to be doing this, this and this, and you know, they've got X, Y, and Z to do. And, and they're like, okay, well, I can't really focus on that now. You know, it, it is always good to, um, you, you're exactly right. Lead, even if you're at the bottom and just, and just show your sort of energy and positivity and your, and your interest. And whether it's, you know, asking to, to learn more about how to build more enrichment or you know training programs and things like that of like getting yourself more involved with these things so that you can be in a better place to um to facilitate change is is important just getting across your your passion and what what interests you i think um i think that will inevitably bring change you know no matter what stage you are at in your career you're uh, you're completely right so it's um it's tough and uh, I've definitely been I can, I'm sure some of my managers can say that I've been the you know annoying keeper that comes in after a conference and is like oh we need to do this how about this you know all of this stuff and 
I think just uh, approaching it with positivity is is um, a, a good way to go with, with change. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and yeah, it's, it's hard as, you know, keepers, uh, and they're just people and people like to do things, you know, they don't, they don't maybe seek out change as much as the industry sometimes demands. So, um, yeah, uh, keeping that in mind and when you're on these, on these things and going to these conferences and exchanges, like thinking about, uh, little steps to, to start these kind of things is a good, uh, is a good thing to be keeping in the back of your mind as, as you're actually going through the steps here. So, um, definitely out of interest though, actually, if you don't mind me asking, yeah. what is, um, um, like Canadians do's and, uh, continuing professional development. Is that something that's quite big? Like, is there a, um, a required amount that you're, um, supposed to do every year? Is, is that common? Not that I've heard of. I think it's definitely mm-hmm. more common in um, the U.S. compared to right. Canada. Um, I, I know, like a, a lot of um, uh, organizations, like uh, uh, the American Association of Zookeepers, like AZAC. Uh, it's a big one, uh, particularly in the U.S. Like they do every single conference. They have like continuing education um, mm. uh, presentations, courses, th- things like that. Um, and, and, and typically those are, um, those are very focused towards their American, um, uh, attendees, but it, it's not something that I've ever come across and I've been at a number of zoos. Um, and I, I, I don't really know why that is because I think, mm. I think like I, on the, one of the like sort of side things I do, like I, I'm a, like a personal trainer and in yeah. order to keep my, my certification, like I have to go to, uh, classes and, and do a lot of, uh, like courses and online things. And it's just for a lot of, uh, professional designations, it's, it's just common practice. And I think yeah. it would make a whole lot of sense to do something similar. The, the problem is, is like keeping as a profession isn't uh, like a designation, you know? And I think, sure. I think, uh, I don't know if it's different in the UK as far as there, if there's certifications and stuff, like there isn't really, um, there, there's animal care, like diplomas and stuff you can get, but mm. most people don't have those. They're not really regarded as the gold standard or gatekeeper to the industry. Like I have a biology, a conservation biology degree. Um, and that is my education. So, um, that's, that's, that's actually fascinating. I think the way it's going in the UK, um, I think in the next few years, we'll see some changes in either what we call the secretary of state's modern zoo practices, uh, this, the standards, sorry, secretary of state standards of modern zoo practices or with zoo licensing, zoo licensing in general is that there will be uh, more of a demand for any keeper has to have a qualification mm. um, rather than so that, you know, an animal, we have what we call the the DIMSA, which is the Diploma of Management of Zoo and Aquatic Animals. And that's the zookeeping, you know, program that you can go on um, that you do alongside any sort of volunteering or your job as a zookeeper. So that's the sort of official one. We also do like apprentice apprenticeships and things like that. But um, mm. I think there's going to be more of a focus on on actual yeah degrees and qualifications or diplomas in order to be a zookeeper but i've noticed that in colleges uh, like animal colleges cpd is a requirement um Mm. so for the staff so um i think in some it's like 15 hours a year or something of that and you know that could be going to a conference that could be you know doing a an exchange or, or whatever it is but um 
that's a sort of requirement for the colleges, but not for zookeepers. And mm. it's fascinating. I, I guess zoos are a little bit more pushed for time and resource, perhaps, than than colleges are. I don't know if it's the same in, in Canada, but it's it's crazy, isn't it? That we, yeah. you know, we it's not an expectation to to have uh, CPD as part of your development, and that's you know sort of mandatory in a sense. Yeah, and and I I wonder for organizations like AZA. Um, what they thought about making that mm. a part of their accreditation standard. Like there is, I know there is standards for, you know, they they do expect you to allow keepers um, and staff at the zoo to be able to pursue uh, education and, and uh, yeah. things like conferences and courses and stuff like that. And there are opportunity at every zoo I've been to, there's been opportunities for that. But you know, if you're mm-hmm. somebody that just doesn't, isn't interested in that, like no one is, is forcing your hand to go to conferences yeah. and to, um, advance your education, which, which I, I think is, yeah, probably a huge, um, missed opportunity. I think, yeah. I, I, and I, I I understand why maybe some people might not want to do that, especially if you're, you know, toward the end of your career and that's not something sure, that, sure. but at the same time, I, I, I think that uh, it will do more um, good than, than bad. I have never heard anybody be upset that they learned more. So yeah, I, exactly. I don't think. Oh, I learned so much at this conference. <laughs> God, what a waste of my time. Yeah. And I, I think, yeah, I think it's nothing but, uh, but positives come from that. So um, maybe in, uh, um, you know, Canadian zoos that will become a thing that, mm. that happens more. And, and I don't, I've never worked at, at zoos in the U S so I don't really know how mandatory a lot of these things are. I've never, I've never seen postings yeah. for that. You need a specific degree or qualification to, to get a job. It's usually, wow. usually some sort of, um, like bachelor degree or, um, mm some jobs call for like masters if it's like a research position or something, but of um, course. yeah, there's nothing, nothing specific. So, uh, maybe that, maybe that will change. I'd imagine it, it would, but yeah, that's interesting. It's really cool to talk about like how different zoos across the, the world are doing things. And mm-hmm. I just love sitting down with people sometimes and just, just chatting about everyone's experiences. It's so, it's so cool, man. Yeah. Technology is so cool. And the internet's so cool. Like it is. Uh, life is so good. Yeah, you know, I, getting I, getting the opportunity crazy. to chat to you about this is you know <laughs> is, is wicked. No, it is, and and I I uh, you know and and I had a note here to like sort of talk about advancing your career and 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 things mm. like burnout and and longevity and and I think one of the the and I'd like to hear your thoughts on this, but the the biggest advice I have for for keepers is to put themselves out there, like wild enrichment mm. and and everything that I've done with that is has been the largest contributing factor to my happiness in my career like it, oh, it, I it love that. like being able to yeah as you said like meet new people uh talk to other zoos uh you know consult with other zoos uh, do all sorts of stuff like that like it's it's uh i i get to go on little mini keeper exchanges like once a week you oh. know so it's uh it's really 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 great and i would definitely encourage people to put themselves out there especially with the internet like get some, yeah. talk to some people that are at a different zoo, even if you're not going on a yeah. keeper exchange, uh, shoot them a message on Facebook or LinkedIn and and they will be more than happy to talk to you about whatever animal that you have in common. I, I can almost guarantee it. Oh yeah, totally. That's, that's the sort of blessing with this industry, right? Is that we all, we all love, we all freaking love animals mm-hmm. and we'll, we'll happily talk, uh, 
about our experiences and things like that. And but that's just you know the way that you've sort of forged your own path with your with your podcast and put a lot of your creative self in it. And that's such a that is such a blessing, isn't it, to have a project that is um, that is you, you know, Absolutely. And to your interests. Yeah, and and I think especially you know, and anytime you work for a an organization or a company that is. Uh, big or small, uh, that comes with, uh, you know, frustrations and, and there's going to be all sorts of stuff happening. Uh, any, any industry, any company, like you're going to be facing different challenges and being able to sort of come home and work on your own project where there's no one telling you what to do. There's no policies. There's no, like, it's just, I, like I make 100% of the decisions for wild enrichment. And that's very, that can be very, um, uh, freeing for people. So even if it's not, I, I'm not uh, in the sort of capitalist mindset of monetizing your <laughs> hobbies. And, uh, uh, you know, I think people should, should regardless, you don't need to get out there as far as keeping goes or the industry, but, uh, you know, having those sort of um, hobbies and passion projects can be um, super beneficial for oh, your mental yeah. health and career longevity, I find. Definitely. I, yeah, I absolutely couldn't agree more. And it's, um, it's important to, you know, obviously a lot of, um, you know, wild enrichment is obviously tied a lot to your career, but it's also important to have, um, to have projects and hobbies that are outside of zookeeping and outside of animals, I think, you know, and, and to realize that there's more to life than what we do for a living, even if we love what we do for a living, you know, there's, um, there's things and hobbies and people to meet that have nothing to do with our industry that are all still worth it and valuable and important. And I think that's a um, a good sort of I wouldn't say combatant, but it's a, a a good tip for for burnout. You know, right? Is to sort of to take a break from from just repress pause on animals for a second at re- and realize that there's there's life out there that mm-hmm. that doesn't evolve around zookeeping and, yeah. and and animals. There's a a whole other bunch of stuff to be done. Yeah, and uh, yeah, just being able to shut that part of your brain off. And focus totally. on something else, regardless of what it is, whether it's uh, you know video games or mountain climbing, yeah. I, whatever whatever uh, you want to do, I, I recommend you uh, invest more time in doing that um, and Absolutely. figure out what makes you happy. I think um, I think it's easy for zookeepers because we're so passionate about our career to make zookeeping the large part of our identity, right? Mm, about how we um, how we see ourselves. And that's important, you know, if that that matters to you, if being a zookeeper is, you know, who you think you are, that's, you know, that's absolutely fine. But it's not, um, it's not all of who you are. Absolutely. You know, there's, there's so much more to you than your role, your passion, uh, what you do every day, what, you know, everything like that, what you've studied, you know, you are, you're made up of so much more. Yeah, for sure. And I think especially with um, something like COVID where, where so many animal care staff were like, unfortunately had, had to be laid off and, and we're mm. in those situations. Like you don't want to be defining a hundred percent of who you are by something that could get taken away from you by something like that, yeah. you know? So, so yeah, having the, uh, those other things that you can, you can lean on and, and definitely. to support yourself is, is definitely very, very important. Um, and I think it's a good Absolutely. practice in animal care because of how fast, you know, the industry changes, especially, you know, in welfare, like whatever we think we know about animals right now is, is probably going to be untrue in a matter of months or years, depending on the yeah, animal, depending years. on the problem. <laughs> so 
having these, being passionate about uh, the way you do things is good, but holding them very, very loosely and being ready to yeah. pivot and uh, and invest your time in something else. Um, it doesn't mean you're a bad keeper. It just means that you're learning and, and, and continuing your sort of journey as a, you know, animal care professional. So I think it's a good practice for that as well. Absolutely right. And I think a lot of people, a lot of people who have like hobbies and skills, um, for example, I, I work with a girl who's who before she was a keeper, she still is a, a graphic designer and, um, you know, absolutely fantastic, talented artist. And she was able to weave that into her uh, profession by uh, she's now the graphic designer for the zoo. And, oh, wow. uh, you know, bringing in your sort of like hobbies and talents and your, you know, what you're good at into your um, into your animal career as well, you know much like your your interviewing skills and your tech skills mm -hmm. with podcasts like you've woven that into zookeeping even though those are two sort of separate skills you've, you've combined them you've married them together to make something that's you know uniquely you and that's that's wonderful yeah yeah no that is that is super important you never know like what what skills uh that you have will be sort of you never know what the next step is for your career. So having as many skills as possible and being passionate about some other things is, yeah, you never know when you can, you know, use those in your professional, professional life. So yeah, super important. Definitely. So, uh, you know, do, do you want to tell people like what your goals are and, and what you're most excited about with keep right now? And, uh, before we sort of move yeah. on to your podcast. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, keep, I mean, I'm just, I, my my keep colleagues will tell you that I I always just shoot for the stars with um with goals and things like that. So, uh, what we're aiming for in the next sort of five years is to be facilitating exchanges that happen, you know, uh, between continents, you know, between uh, Europe and North America, say, or Africa. Um, we've got to obviously first uh, get to grips with the UK and Ireland. That's that's step number one then on to sort of mainland Europe and facilitating exchanges between collections there. And then um, hopefully further and further afield until, you know, keep as a, a global pandemic, you know, that you can't escape from and, uh, <laughs> you know, and everybody will learn. Uh, no, yeah, no, but yeah. <laughs> um, really hoping to, uh, to expand uh, further afield and, and make it a global effort to, to unite zoos across, across the, uh, across the globe. Um, things I'm excited for. I'm excited to expand um, not only from zoo to zoo, but also zoo to college as well, mm. to animal college. I think um, at least um, what the experience is in the UK is that um, a lot of people who come up through animal colleges where they've learned, you know, animal management or animal care, they end up um, students and then there's a job comes up and they end up as, you know, teachers in that role yeah. without really having done much uh zoo time you know without having really worked in in the industry and they're leading you know the next generation of zookeepers with very little zoo experience themselves because they've been hired straight out of uh mm -hmm. out of uh, college and the job has come up and they've taken it which is you know absolutely fair um so i think working uh with zoos to allow exchanges to happen between colleges and zoos because there's uh at least in the uk there's a bit of a disconnect absolutely and yeah. um I don't know what the the situation is in Canada, but it's it it's uh, it's a real you know particularly when colleges are sort of mini zoos in themselves, you know they have a lot of these amazing exotic species, and some oftentimes not all the time oftentimes it's um it's people that have really not had a lot of zoo experience that are are running the show there and to just give them a bit of more a bit more support and husbandry ideas enrichment ideas training ideas mm -hmm. all of this stuff. 
that's what I'm looking forward to is is connecting those dots between uh, colleges and zoos going forward as well. But uh, I'm excited for everything. I just want to talk to everyone, you know, yeah, like, yeah. I, you know, I'm a big hippie. I just want everybody to just talk and get on and hold hands. So yeah. Yeah. And, and I think uh, what you said about, about uh, the sort of education, uh, the academic sphere and the sort of zoo sphere is, is definitely something that, that I think the gap between needs to be uh, sort of smaller and smaller and those lines need to blur because yeah, I think especially mm-hmm. in, um, you know, a lot of, uh, I, like I read a lot of research on animal welfare and, and different things like that. And I really like the papers that you read and you find like applicable things that's like, oh, I can try this right now, or this, yeah. this benefits my sort of husbandry knowledge, like right after reading. I, I, I yeah. think especially, I really like that sort of balance and keep uh, like, you know, researchers really putting time into um, those things that will actually benefit people on the ground as opposed to staying in this yeah. sort of hypothetical space. It's it's important for the advancement of animal welfare to be, you know, publishing papers on new concepts and new things like that. But there also needs to be a lot of research coming out that actually benefits, you know, uh, Dave the giraffe right now. You yeah. know what I mean? Like it's, it's uh, like <laughs> I, I, I get frustrated when you read stuff that's a little bit uh, you know, maybe too abstract and won't really benefit. Sure. I, w- I want keepers to be reading stuff and being like, I can try this and we can, and we can do this and we can ad- like adjust these variables and, and, and sort of uh, test these welfare metrics. I think those are the studies that are super, super important for the industry. So I, I totally Absolutely. agree. Absolutely. I think, uh, I mean, I think as keepers, we are active, aren't we? We are just mm-hmm. like, Hey, like, let's give it a go. Like we, um, we're academic in some sense, but we're not, um, living in the world of of academia necessarily of yes hypotheses we're just like let's just give it a go and and see what happens we are practical active people i think um as part of the role so Mm -hmm. yeah you're completely right coming out and reading something and being like bam let's give this a go tomorrow at you Mm -hmm. know 10 a.m let's let's see if this works is is great it's fantastic so i think i think you're completely right yeah and and i think uh what you said like I think keepers should be more intentional as far as like realizing that they, they can actually do pretty significant impactful science with the animals that they're working with, you know, like they can, yeah. uh, especially with welfare problems and, and, and with things like enrichment, like you can change, you know, uh, a few variables and, and test things and you can write a, a little like, you know, case study about it and you can publish it in a, you know, a, a magazine that keepers read. Um, like yeah. the animal keeper form or, or, or things like that, or, uh, uh, you can do that and it, and it can have, you know, impacts on, on, on other animals lives. And, and I think people should, uh, definitely realize that and, and, and try to do that, uh, more often. I think there is, um, I don't know if you feel this way, but, um, I think there is sometimes the bit of the, like, Ooh, that's, that's quite smart. I can't do that. Like, Ooh, you know, or mm. there's a bit of hesitation sometimes with, Oh no, that's somebody, you know, somebody smarter. I can do that. Or, mm-hmm. and it's like, well, why not? Why not you? Yeah. Like, why, why not us? Like it's, um, you know, you're not going to be getting it perfect 10 out of 10 every single time, but just give it a go. Yeah. You know, just, um, talk to people, try things. That's, I mean, no scientist has found the formula for this on the first try. It's a lot of try and, and fail and Tons. until you figure yeah. out the right thing that works. And why not you, you know, like, why not us? It's um, mm. just, if you want, if you're interested in something, just go for it. 
Yeah, and and I uh, I talk about this this thing that I call like the the minimum viable queue with uh, enrichments and like because I find and I've been in this situation before where like you have this idea for this like grand piece of enrichment you're like it's gonna do this and it's gonna involve all these departments and all this time and and like it's gonna have this like amazing effect. Uh, and then it just never gets done because it's too complicated and you just don't even know where sure. to start. So, and I always, always encourage people to, what is the easiest way you can still accomplish this behavior? Like you can still get this behavior. You like, what is the yeah. cue for this behavior? How can you, what's the easiest way to do this? And then start there and always like build up. And I think it's, you know, the same uh, with, with doing that sort of science, like it's, it's, you know, figuring out the, the easiest way, like starting small and, and seeing the, the effects. And, and I, yeah, I think it's, uh, it's, it's super important to, to keep in mind that you can make, uh, significant impacts with maybe small steps, you know? Definitely. And those small steps, when you accomplish it is like a jackpot to your brain, you know, you're like, oh yeah, yeah I feel so accomplished. Like, yeah. you know, tackling such a mammoth task is some very complicated enrichment when, yeah, you could, get a similar result doing something smaller and maybe maybe even equally as more meaningful you know it's such great um i don't know if it's endorphins or serotonin or what to your brain probably says, a little bit of what's the what's yeah what's the, what's the um the goal accomplishing is it i don't know it's serotonin or i don't know in it hmm. in any case yeah it's uh it sends a, a load of those to to your brain to say look you've done this you've accomplished it and that gives you the, uh, the yeah, confidence yeah, yeah. to try something bigger yeah, no, absolutely. I, 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 I totally agree. So yeah, uh, you know, uh, get out there and, uh, talk to some people and, and, you know, hold hands if, if they want and, uh, <laughs> yeah, do, uh, yeah. Talk to some of your colleagues and people that maybe aren't your colleagues yet. Um, <laughs> it, you'll, uh, you'll thank yourself later and so will your career. Uh, so, so, uh, we can shift a little bit to your, your podcast. So these are two sort of, Amazing. uh, uh, different projects, very different projects that you've started mm. working on. Uh, your podcast, Asshole Animals with Alice. It's a fantastic <laughs> idea. Uh, I, I saw it and I absolutely loved it. And the, the, your little intro is like still ringing in my head. It's very, very catchy. So, um, oh, thanks. I, uh, do you want to sort of give people an idea of like what, I think the title is a little bit self-explanatory, but, uh, do you want to give people an idea of what, what it's about and what your sort of inspiration was for that? Sure, sure. I mean, uh, asshole animals with Alice. I mean, first of all, alliteration is just key, isn't yeah, it? With uh, with eye catching, memorable stuff. Um, so it was born from an idea, you know, like you, I wanted something like creative, a creative outlet in the nearly 10 years of zookeeping. And, you know, I feel like subconsciously, I'd been collecting all of this information, all of this data on like, arsehole animal behavior over the years as many zookeepers have i think mm. of all of the species we've worked with that we can you know defiantly point at and say that species as a whole can be a jerk you know so um it's all meant with a loving a place of love and respect you know they're um the the podcast is is crassly named but is is caring in nature mm. and uh, it is a a loving look at animal behavior for the species known for being on the difficult side and um, and our experiences and I, every week I sit down with an expert in a different um, if, in a different species. And I sit down and hear their experiences and their stories, and you know it's interwoven with facts and things you might not realize about the species. We do a little uh, charity of the week segment where I'll talk about uh, different charities across the world and what they're doing to help these animals in the wild in case people are are interested. 
we also do a little um what's what i like to call a shout out or psa section where you know we discuss about the issues facing this animal that you know maybe people mm. don't realize you know like otters don't make good pets for example or you know maybe wasps aren't as bad as everybody thinks maybe wasps are, are stinging people because uh you know they're they're being brave enough to come over and and steal food from people because we haven't left them any food of their own to consume you know mm. so it's um it's getting a different perspective on animals and it's most sort of more importantly it's just a bit of fun it's comedy it's yeah it's let's just accept the fact that some animals are just complete assholes <laughs> and let's just laugh about it and move on they're great but they can be dickheads sometimes yeah, yeah. it's just <laughs> it's just how it is yeah um that was the sort of um the the idea behind it is um and, you know, everybody has their favorite and least favorite species to work with, I think, as zookeepers or the species that you swore you'd never work with again if you were given the opportunity. And I think it's a, it's a bit of, but I also wanted it to be for some, for people who don't work in the industry and who want to learn more about animals and, you know, find it hilarious that animals can be, can be jerks sometimes. No, and it's, it's, it's great. I, I will link uh, the, your, your show in the show notes, as well as uh, keep and everything. So people can, can check it out. It's uh, definitely worth, worth a listen. And, and, and yeah, it's, it's, it's well done. Was there a, a sort of animal that, that triggered this, like in your, in your mind, or was there a, that got your, the ball rolling on this? You know what? That's such a good question. I don't, think it was any particular you know moment that I was like oh I need to I need to do a podcast about this but anybody that knows me knows that I I you know hate is a strong word but I I'm reluctant to work with squirrel monkeys mm. and to work with goats those <laughs> are my two I'm like never again never again the experiences have just been too traumatic <laughs> but you know it's like I you know love them to death they're fantastic animals never again <laughs> yeah so um yeah that's such a great question i don't i don't think there was as a specific moment that i was like oh yeah i need to turn this into something else but um it's i think honestly i can't even remember how i came up with it i think i, I just one day came to the conclusion that people needed to hear about the the arseholes of the animal kingdom really yeah that's uh yeah it's funny the first uh true asshole that uh, animal that i ever worked with uh was a male jacob's four-horned sheep and um his right. name was and i apologize for the listeners the language uh the his, his name was tucker the fucker and he, <laughs> he would uh every time if you even turned your back on him for a second he would uh ram you as hard as he could and i saw him knock more people over than than i could count and uh but they are very cool animals and i always uh always respected them but yeah there's uh, there's yeah. a few that stand out stand out for me so i'm sure you have no shortage of of, uh, of stories but it's a it's a great great uh, topic to be talking to people about because yeah there's uh you know i i i like working with animals that come with a certain amount of challenge around them you know like it, it's oh. nice to work with some animals that are always happy like i worked with raccoons for a while and it's like they're always oh. happy they're always easy to work with because it's like you know there's yeah. no there's never any trouble in raccoon land but like you know there's when you work with more <laughs> sometimes like cognitively complex or uh yeah. you know, dangerous animals or you know, bears or you know something like that it's uh yeah uh, it's there's definitely a lot of variety there so it's uh it's yeah definitely interesting to hear other people's stories around that I think uh, I think you made such a good point though, and I think it's something that I'm I'm learning as I'm doing more of this podcast that cognitive ability 
and arsehole uh, ability are <laughs> are so closely linked. You know, the more intelligent an animal is, the more it has the capacity to be a dick. Like mm -hmm. it, it, that's just the, how it is. And you know, it's it's things like capuchin monkeys, like these these intelligent you know primates and things like macaws who have mm. it on corvids all have the the capability to mess with you just because they want to mess with you that day yeah, yeah, yeah. they wake up and they choose violence and yeah. <laughs> it's you know everything to do with with cognitive ability and uh i don't know if they know the the emotion spite but it feels like it sometimes, it does you know? it's, it's hard not to <laughs> interpret it as spite sometimes yeah especially if it's uh you work in a group of people you know like we like we mm. do as small teams of keeping staff and it's just you that that animal oh yeah chooses violence with and it just loves everybody and cuddles with everybody else but then <laughs> it goes after you every time for no reason it's not you didn't have any bad experiences you just i guess okay. give off bad vibes that don't rub that animal the right way so um, yeah, there's definitely, uh, those are particularly hurtful in your career. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's hard not to take it personally, right? Yeah, yeah. Especially it's, birds. Uh, birds I thought it would just be, moreover, just like a fun look at animal behavior of actually like delving into why they behave the way they do. Yeah. Um, you know, whether that's, you know, it's something in the wild that humans are doing to, to annoy them or if it's just how they're hardwired. Um, it's, it's fascinating to look at, look at animal behavior in a, in a comedic way and just, and sort of really delve into the why, but also laugh about it Yeah. and just, you know, just be like, this is, yeah, I've had, I've been bitten. I've been nearly killed by this animal, but they were doing it because of X, Y, and Z, you know, it's a, it's a real fun, um, experience to sit down with experts actually, and, and just talk about their experiences and, and their, you know, hear from their knowledge as well. So it's um, a really cool thing, I think, to, to be a part of. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. And uh, again, I would encourage people to uh, give the podcast a listen. It's, uh, it's mm -hmm. great. You have like three or four episodes out right now and uh, more yeah, coming. Yeah, yeah. Not, uh, not too many. I started this in, in January. But, you know, as you well know, like sometimes keeping and, and podcasting and all of the other stuff in life just, just gets in the way. So there's um, a lot more coming out. I've recorded a few and I'm just going through the process of editing, but you know, mm. it's getting those out in your, in your limited spare time yeah. is, is often a challenge. Yeah. It can be a lot. So uh, yeah, no, it's uh, it's great. Um, so uh, sort of last question before we sort of wrap up here. Um, mm. If there was a poster you could put up in every animal care facility in the world, you know, what would it say and why? This is a question that I've started asking a lot of my guests and I've got a wide variety of answers. So I'd love to oh, I love it. hear yours. I absolutely love that um, because that's such a uh, that's such a lovely way to get to know the person that you're interviewing, I think, to uh, to ask them what, what message they would tell other zookeepers. I think. I think mine would be super simple and it would be something like be excellent to each other, mm. you know, or just don't be a, don't be an asshole. Like yeah. that's the, the message at the end of uh, every asshole with animals with Alice. I just say, you know, I give some sort of random advice in life, like drink lots of water and just most importantly, don't be an asshole. And I think that's yeah. just solid advice. Just, just be excellent. Don't be an asshole. Um, and life is just so much easier and better for you and everybody around you. So I think, uh, I think that would be on the poster. Yeah. I, I, couldn't agree more. That's, that's, uh, that's great. So, uh, where can people, uh, sort of follow you, see what you're up to, uh, you know, get some more information about these. I'll, I'll link everything in the, in the show notes. Sure. Yeah. So, um, 
in terms of in terms of my private life i'm um i'm actually not really a, a big poster on social media myself as, as in what alice is up to so anything that uh anything that you'll hear will be on you know about keep or about our soul animals with alice so I'll, I'll plug those more than anything else um so the if you were interested in in hearing about what the keeper exchange program is up to even if you're not based in the uk uh, because as I said, it, we are going to be hoping to expand. And if it's something that you're interested in, then do keep an eye out for us. Uh, you can find us as, you know, most zookeeper things do very well on, on Facebook, right? You know, there's lots of Facebook forums. It's a, a useful tool. Uh, so you can find us on Facebook. It's uh, Keeper Educational Exchange Program. That'll come up with us right away. Obviously, just give us a follow or a like or just see what sort of placements that we've got up and uh, you know, I mean, if you have this idea and you want to bring it to to your zoo community, like we We've spoken to some people in mainland Europe that want to set it up in their country and we'll, we've been giving advice and we're like, absolutely, you know, we think this is a great idea. If you want to set up something similar, you know, come and talk to us about it and we can tell you the sort of uh, the trials and tribulations. So Keeper Educational Exchange Program is on Facebook. Uh, we're also on Instagram as well under Keeper Exchange Program. So the, as for the podcast, I mean, you can find that on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. It's obviously Arsehole Animals with Alice. I will clarify that Arsehole is spelled A-S-S-H-O-L-E-S because the English way is A-R-S-E. Oh. For arse <laughs> rather than, yeah, isn't that fun? Yeah. So I've spelled it the, I'm going to quote American way, mm. the North American way, A-S-S. So Arsehole Animals with Alice. And that's, as I said, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. And you can find me on Instagram. Uh, with that and also on snapchat and on tiktok under the same name arsehole animals with alice if you are feeling extra generous and you think this is a fantastic idea i'm also on patreon as well and um if you uh, obviously there's different tiers with patreon if you select what i've called the jerk bag tier <laughs> which is uh, there's <laughs> different insults of, of tiers and uh if you select the jerk bag one 50 percent and, and above 50 percent of my um of the the money that you donate goes towards the projects that uh, i speak about in the charity of the week segments and 50 percent goes towards me to keep making you laugh and learn and uh, everything about animals so that's what you can do it's at patreon.com slash asshole animals with alice great yeah and uh, as i said mm. i'll link everything in the show notes. If people want to check any of that Amazing. out, I would uh, encourage them to do so because it's uh, some great content. Um, yeah. So Alice, uh, thank you so much for, for coming on. It was a great conversation oh, and I'm sure it resonated with a lot of people. So, so thank you very much. No, thank you so much for having me. Honestly, it was such a delight to be on here and, uh, and uh, be part of a sort of wild enrichment uh, collective of guests. I'm very, very <laughs> honored. So thank you so much, Kyle, for having me on. Thank you very much. And to everyone listening, uh, until next time, see you guys. We hope you enjoyed that episode of the Wild Enrichment Podcast. If you want to follow us on social media, you can find us at Wild Enrichment on Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest. If you want to learn more about Wild Enrichment and see some of our great resources, check out www.wildenrichment.com. Also, if you wish to support Wild Enrichment, check out our Patreon. Again, thank you so much for listening. Until next time. Wild Enrichment is independently owned and claims no affiliation to any zoo, aquarium, or other animal care institutions. All of the information and opinions communicated through this podcast, wildenrichment.com, and affiliated social media accounts are based on my own opinions and experiences and are not in any way reflective of the opinions of my employers past or present. Thank you. Thank you.